you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Welcome back to church this morning. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. And we're going to worship the Lord this morning as we're in the season of um, remembering our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and being thankful for all he's done. Let's worship God this morning.
Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be? The light within our midst. It is. Is it good for us to remind ourselves of you? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal?
Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, on this happy day, we praise you as the source of all that we have and all that we need. Nudge and guide each of us in confessing what we need to. Help us to renounce all that you would have us let go of. Help us to trust you and obey you and to accept what we don't want to. Thank you for providing the only way for us to be restored to you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to us. And we thank you that you don't look inside any of us to see if we are worthy. You are worthy of all our praise and trust and honor. We pray for peace in Israel. We pray for peace in the Ukraine. We pray for those we love who are suffering in our church and in our country and in our world. You call yourself the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. You rule in all of our circumstances. Help us to trust you. We thank you for Pastor Steve, for all the staff, for the musicians, the board members, for Scott, the helpers of our church. We ask you to provide for them in every needed way and to bless them. We thank you for their faithfulness over the years. We thank you for all you've done at LJCC and are doing here. And we thank you also for those who come here week after week, every Wednesday, to pray for us, to pray for our church, to pray for our country. Bless them, Father. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their example to us. We, not, we are not always faithful to you. Thank you that we always are yours, even so. We always are loved by you. You always are faithful to us. And your forgiveness is always available to us. This morning, we praise you as almighty God. All might is yours. And we praise you as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. If this is your first time joining us for our worship service, we are so glad that you are here. On your way in, you should have received a bulletin. On there, you will find our Connect card. If you are looking to get connected with the church, we encourage you to fill out that Connect card so we can get to know you. If you have new contact information, please fill out that Connect card so we can keep you updated. On the other side, you will find our prayer card. If you have anyone in your life who is in need of prayer, please fill out the prayer card or visit our website at ljcc.org prayer. On your way out, you can drop these cards off in the foyer or the box mounted on the wall. I think that's my cue. I never quite can tell. Good morning, everybody. Good to be here with you. I'm, I'm really thankful to be here uh, for a few reasons. Number one, Tiger Woods is back this Thursday. He's playing golf again, so praise God. Um, <clears throat> but uh, today, it's a big day in our family. We're getting a new puppy today. And uh, if you want to see pictures afterwards, I'm getting pictures right now. My wife and two daughters are picking it up as we speak in a town called Pollock Pines, which is 544 miles north. And I'm not sure if I'm more thankful to get a puppy or that I don't have to drive in the car all day today from uh, Sacramento area down to San Diego. It's going to be a nightmare for my wife, and I'm so sorry she's doing that. Uh, but it's going to be such a joy. We got a, 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 this is like a half-sister dog to our current dog. 
we got her three years ago, a, a total quarantine COVID mistake. I mean, we love her, but it was just a, on a whim. Uh, it was the day we found out that school was not going to be returning in the fall, and my wife showed me a picture of these brand new puppies, these golden doodle puppies, and she said, we got to do something for our kids, cheer them up. And I said, uh, whatever you have in mind, do everything. I'm with you, heart and soul. Uh, and then uh, Dolly showed up in our house a few weeks later, and she's been such a joy. So today we get the unnamed dog. We haven't named it yet, so we need some name ideas. It's got to sound good with Dolly. Uh, she's really cute, and uh, it'll be just a joy to us. I just got back yesterday. I got to fly back with my son. Uh, to, I had to be here, right? I, couldn't, I, could, I wish I could have made the drive, but I had to be here to serve the Lord and to serve you with the message. Uh, but I want to just invite you to reflect on Thanksgiving, whatever your Thanksgiving was. And I've not always had great Thanksgiving, so I don't assume that everybody did. But would you just do me a favor? Would you turn to someone around you, even if you came with him, and say, what was, what was the best part of Thanksgiving for you? What was the best part, the highlight of Thanksgiving for you? Just take a minute. Well, we spent uh, four or five days at my in-laws. It was the first time in, I think, uh, maybe four or five years uh, that I've spent time at my in-laws. Uh, when we've gone up there to visit, I've stayed in a hotel. It was a few years ago, and it was, it was one of the worst nights ever. There were so many cousins that decided last minute to spend the night at my in-laws' house. And it was, I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and I'm getting our kids situated. It's, it's a big house, but until you start trying to place people to sleep, all of a sudden it gets really small, and it was about midnight after everyone's put to sleep, and I realized I have nowhere to sleep, and I ended up on the carpet with a, uh, with a bath towel. No pillow, nothing. I remember just sitting there, and I'm like, I'm a grown man, and <laughs> this is not what I imagined doing, so I just hadn't, we hadn't spent the time at all, and I just kind of like put a, a stake in the ground, and, and so it felt kind of redemptive to go back, uh, but I made sure to text the, my sisters-in-law saying, you're not staying here, right? <laughs> like, you're not, in other words, you're not staying here. Uh, if you're staying here, we're not staying there. And they decided not to, and so we got to spend the time there. And it, and it felt really, it felt really redemptive, actually, to be there. And uh, my wife and I have been married for over 20 years, so I've, I've spent over half my life going up to their house, and it feels like home. And uh, it was a fantastic holiday for us. One of the best parts, though, we have really good friends that live in the same town. It's called Danville up in the East Bay in the Bay Area, and uh, we always make time to spend, uh, make the time to spend with them. They are like family. We call them family. Uh, they have three kids exactly the same age as our kids. We've traveled with them over the years. We've done uh, ministry work, mission work together uh, internationally in, in, in the past, and so uh, what I love about my friend Daryl is he is, I don't know if you have this, he's the planner. He's an adventurous planner, which is always nice to have. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm down for a fun time, but I, I probably won't think about it. I'm actually probably the most pleased to have the same routine every day. And so like heaven on earth to me would be like nothing's happening today. I get to do my whole routine. Uh, but spending time with Daryl, it's, it's never like that. So he planned this day 
in San Francisco, in the city, and I just was like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to, okay, let's do it. It just sounds like such a hassle to drive, and, and I just like staying in, 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 my, in my pajamas and staying at home, but we went. And the key moment for me, the, the highlight for me was uh, he made arrangements of where we we're going to park, and we got on the, uh, uh, what the heck do you call those things? Uh, the trolley, yes, thank you. Uh, we got on the trolley at uh, Pier 39 area by Ghirardelli, and then we rode it all the way to Union Square, and we rode it on the outside of the trolley. I was in the front, my son was on the other side of the trolley in the front, it was like 55 degrees, the most beautiful, perfect day in San Francisco, and it just was like such a thrill to going up and down those hills, the guys ringing the bell, we were all laughing, it just was such a great moment. And what I realized afterwards, spending time with uh, Daryl and their families, the Warners, they always, always make us feel like the most amazing people in the world. They, they put us in front of everybody else. When we're in town, they clear their calendar. When we go over to their house, they bring out every single thing. It's like they kill the fatted calf for us every single time we're there. And almost to the point of being embarrassed. Like, you just don't, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be so thoughtful. We, you can just let your hair down with us. But that's... That's who they are. And maybe you, I hope, hope you have people like that in your life. When, they, when you spend time with them, you know you're a top priority to them. They want to know how you're doing. They want to know what the updates are. They remember things you shared over the years. They, they pray for you. They ask you questions. They're so thoughtful. They remember your favorite whatever it is, your favorite coffee, your favorite wine, whatever it is. And, and they think about you. And I bet you also know the opposite of that experience. I bet you've been around people that you don't feel like that with, with them when, when you're around them. I bet you've been guests in people's homes when you feel like, gosh, what? I mean, sorry we're here. I didn't mean to put you out. I, I, do you know that feeling? I don't mean to pick on my in-laws. I'm not picking on them at all, but I, I, my son and I had this memory as we're uh, driving uh, yesterday in an Uber down to San Jose Airport because we're passing by this way, and he said, I, he said, I, I remember being here, and I said, yeah, we, we actually drove this way one time when we went up to get our last dog three years ago, same breeder, same spot up in Sacramento, and we drove to our in-laws, and this was kind of maybe uh, in August of 2020, and uh, this is not a critique of my family, my in-laws, uh, for how they uh, reacted to COVID, but they were very protective, they were very uh, nervous, and they were very locked down, and yet we were coming to town with their grandkids, and uh, we're making arrangements the whole time, and they just kept saying, you know, uh, the idea that we were staying in hotels, we were pretty relaxed on the spectrum. There's a spectrum, right, of the, the kind of COVID response. We were pretty relaxed, especially compared to them. They knew that we were spending time in hotels. We were at restaurants all the way up the coast of California to get there. And so when we got there, we were invited not through the house, but to the backyard. Did anyone do that? Do you remember going to people's houses? And you're like, okay, you know, at, you know, at one level, of course, yeah, it makes sense. But on another level, there's such a feeling of like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for being here. So we went to the backyard and they, again, were very protective and very cautious. And they'd actually um, taped out an area on the back deck for us to stay in. And uh, I remember just sitting there, my kids, we had spent a lot of time with lots of people. We were not very locked down. And uh, especially for my daughter at that point, she was seven years old. It just, she kept getting up to go play with her little cousins, the little kids, toddlers, and, and we kept having to hold her and kind of be like, no, you can't. They, want, they don't want you to. And it just, that feeling, that feeling of being, I don't know, it's just that feeling of being like, uh, again, we're so sorry we're here. We didn't mean to intrude. We didn't mean to make you so uncomfortable. It's just such a, a contrast to those moments where you feel incredibly honored to feel incredibly dishonored. 
And those memories, those moments can mark us for a long time. We're uh, wrapping up a series this morning, even though uh, we have Christmas coming out and Advent starting. Uh, we're wrapping up a series that Steve started the last three weeks. If you haven't been here, we're looking at these uh, four substitutes for God. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, you've probably heard of him. <laughs> like me, you probably couldn't quite nail which one was he. Uh, but if you look it up in history, he uh, wrote a lot of things. And one of the particulars that, that Steve is focused on that I love, he talks about these four substitutes for God that every human uh, kind of mistakes. These uh, deeper longings, deeper holes in our hearts that we go to these substitutes. These substitutes of money, power, pleasure. And this morning we're going to talk about honor. Uh, in other words, uh, fame, uh, being recognized, being esteemed, being liked, being impressive, being looked up to. That we look around, and especially as we grow up, and it, if, the idea would be, if I could just get, and then fill in the blank in these four substitutes, if I could just get money or power or pleasure or honor, then, then I will feel complete, fulfilled. I will feel like I've made it. There's a guy named Rene Girard. He's uh, a polymath. Someone tell me what that means. I don't know what that means, but he was a philosopher and a psychologist, and he came up with this theory called uh, mimetic desire, mimetic, like mimicry, miming, mimetic desire. And his whole concept, the theory was that we subconsciously mimic what other people want. So we want not necessarily what we want, but we want what other people want. And as we grow up, we see and we kind of fixate on, on people, and we're drawn to certain people, and we start, without realizing it, start pursuing the same things they're pursuing without even recognizing that it's not really our pursuits, it's theirs. And many of us actually spend our entire lives in this mimetic desire. We're, we're mimicking, we're, we're pursuing something that we were this kind of subconscious message given that if we could just get that, if we could just receive more of it, then maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to feel good. We'll be able to feel like God is with us. We'll be able to feel like uh, at peace for once. I'm going to pray. We're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 14 as Jesus invites us to reflect on this idea of pursuing honor uh, and what he might have to say to us. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, be reflective this morning as we transition from Thanksgiving to Advent, to be reflective of our own hearts and souls, the things that we pursue subconsciously that, that sound good in and of themselves, but uh, can lead us astray, can lead us to places of more anxiety, more fear, more shame, uh, more um, uh, lack of fulfillment, unfulfilled desires. Help us to hear from you this morning. Help us to unpack the scripture in a way that you would help us to uh, lean more into who we're made to be in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Luke chapter 14, it says this. Here's the setting. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. That's the setting of the scene. And Jesus is going to tell a story in this context when he's being watched by these people who knew how to watch. I've, I've uh, spoken at churches over the years. Uh, in fact, I did the math. The first time I spoke here was in 2014. So uh, I'm feeling uh, kind of reflective, and as many of you are, in this transition of this church life. Uh, it's almost 10 years I've been speaking here. And I've been so received uh, by you all, the, the folks that have been here over the years. It's been fantastic. And, and I'm often a guest at different places. I remember one time I was speaking at a church in Claremont. And uh, right after I finished, a woman came up to me and she had a little piece of paper. And she said, here, I want you to read this. And I said, okay. And I, I don't know. I assumed maybe it was a, a prayer request. I don't know what it was. 
And I, I look at it, and she's still standing there, and it says, uh, Dear Scott, I'm an English teacher, and your use of, and I forget what, I, I kind of stopped reading then, your use of some, I don't know, some vernacular is inappropriate and, and makes you sound uh, whatever, and, and I just looked at her, and I, I kind of was like, I, I thought I was being punked maybe, I thought this was like candid camera, like, are you serious? I just, uh, you know, for 30 minutes, I, I, was, I was sharing my heart and my soul and, and, and prepared, and this is it, and then uh, I, I, felt, I felt a lot of things. I felt bad. I felt stupid. I felt uh, embarrassed, and I felt guilty. I, I wrote to the, the, the pastor who was a friend of mine who was out of town. I said, hey, I think I really upset one of your key people, <laughs> and uh, I loved his response. He said, oh, I forget what her name was. He's like, oh, yeah, she does that to me like every week. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, you know, get used to it. I went back a couple months later and now I was, I was actually, you know, when someone gets in your head, they're in your head. So I was trying to be very cautious, like these and thous. And I was just trying to use all my proper grammar rules. And then I saw her come up after, again, and she's got a note in her hands. And I just went, my, I put my hand up, I said, nope, not today. And she said, but, I said, I'm not going to read it. I'm not, uh, and I just said really quickly, like, I'm not speaking for an English teacher. I'm speaking for people. If you want me to turn in a paper, uh, that's another thing, but don't give me your red notes. I just can't receive it. So uh, I've just so appreciated. I can, I don't know, I could be myself here. I can, I, I was just going to say I can swear. I can't. I won't. I, I could be myself here, and I've just felt so received. But can you imagine Jesus uh, being carefully watched by prominent Pharisees? That, that feeling. I don't know if you ever, if you could, maybe it's your grandma who would, my grandma used to kind of stab me with her fork at the dinner table if I didn't use good manners. Not drawing blood, but it would hurt. <laughs> Just that, that sense of someone's watching you. If you've ever been put on a performance plan at work and you go to the next meeting you go to, you just, you just kind of feel that sense. And Jesus, as, as we learn from the scriptures, was fully divine but also fully human. He would feel this. He would feel it in his intuition. He would feel it like if I m- make a misstep, if I do something wrong, if I say something wrong, there's going to be conflict. This isn't a warm audience. This isn't his friends where he's lounging back at a dinner with them. He's on stage being scrutinized. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be humiliated, and you'll have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, So that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. And here's the kind of summary as he summarizes his own parable as he's speaking very indirectly but pointedly at these people who are doing this. He says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a timeless truth. It's a timeless truth, and yet we all tend to fall into place. We tend to fall subconsciously into the opposite. We tend to fall into what the Pharisees would do. I want to be honored. When I show up in my in-laws, I want you to have thought about me. How, why didn't you put out a pillow? We go to someone's house and you say, I, you know how much I love uh, dressing. You know how I dislike stuffing. Why did you do stuffing? It's just there's something there that you just think I, I should be thought of. And when we're not... Especially when we, uh, I think at the workplace, hey, I've been here longer than you. I deserve the parking spot. I deserve the place of honor. You, you should know me. You should be impressed by me. 
I remember in sixth grade, there's that, that, that time of your life, 10, 11, 12 years old, when your brain starts waking up, and it's like that uh, emperor without clothes on moment where you start to realize everyone's watching you and you're watching everybody else. It's, it's normal development, so it's actually healthy, but it's a pretty traumatic season of life. In sixth grade, I was uh, uh, just feeling very kind of carefree, not recognizing, I think maybe I was de- late in the development of other kids, not recognizing that uh, you, you, you had to be cool now. And I decided when there was a uh, student council that I would run for a, an office. I, I ran for the VP of finance. I had no idea what it meant, no idea what it did, probably didn't do anything, but I ran for it and that required that everybody who ran for office gave a speech in front of the school. I ran against two other kids and I just, I don't know, I just kind of uh, naively assumed it was gonna go really well. And so I think uh, before Seinfeld came out, I had that same sort of humor dry, sarcastic, the kind of humor most people don't get. And so I went up and gave what I thought was a funny speech. And no one's laughing. And then uh, uh, they, right after these speeches and all these kids in the multi-purpose room, and uh, an hour or two later, the principal goes on the loudspeaker and lists off the tally of the votes, essentially, and who won. And when it gets to VP of Finance, nope, did not win. And I don't know why, but they actually ranked I remember it wasn't, uh, it was like, uh, this girl got first, this other girl got second, and then Scott Schimmel got third. By the way, there's only three people running. And I, if, if I had the wherewithal, the mat- I don't know, the maturity, I, I would have kind of paused and like done, a, done some reflection. But I didn't. I just went straight to like, oh, I guess that's just, okay, let's just, that's how things are going to go. A few months later, in, uh, starting middle school, uh, I think what I noticed was uh, lots of other kids, uh, it seems like there's half of middle school kids, junior hires, that uh, in their development go to kind of being loud and boisterous and unfiltered. And they'll say things like, why are you wearing that stupid hat? Your face looks ugly. They'll just, there's just no filters, and they just get really loud, and they can't really help it. And the other half kind of go inward, get a little bit more frozen. That's what I did. I got way more kind of like inward. Uh, wanting to be seen, wanting for people to recognize me, wanting to be liked, wishing that I'd won the race, wishing that I could just be accepted. And, and I wasn't. I uh, was reminded recently in a story that I, I used to get bullied by these two girls that I grew up with on the bus. We drove a, uh, rode a bus home every day, 30, 40 minutes. And for some reason, these girls just started to pick on me and poke me and pinch me and hit me on the bus, and it lasted for months before my mom one day saw all these bruises on my back, and she's like, what? And she had to, I was like, don't, and she did. She called their moms. It was like, oh, it was so bad, but it, it was just like another sort of like chink in the armor, another sort of like evidence, just kind of, and I remember just yearning, just wishing. I remember going to ninth grade. I went to a Catholic high school, and, and I wanted to, that idea of start over again, start fresh, but I, I, I think I had just kind of got into this um, I don't know, pattern, a habit of just being neither seen nor heard and just kind of went with the flow. And other kids at that point, again, are being a little bit more confident. And, and if they're not confident, they're acting like they're confident, which is a great way to get, become popular and liked in high school. And going to Catholic high school meant we all wore uniforms. So it's even more kind of like you just kind of blend in. Going to college just a few years later, the same sort of sense of like, I guess this is just... Uh, you just kind of go through it, and no one really notices you. Be the one that asks questions never inquired about. Be the one that's kind of just seen, not heard. Then I became a Christian, 
And I remember for the first time, there were people that were interested in me. I, I, I know my mom was, and uh, my grandma was, and, and my really close friends were, but in, from, a, from a communal sense, there just was this loving openness towards me, and I was invited to participate in leadership. And I just, I mean, it just was this awakening for me. This, like, this, uh, I think, really a path towards confidence, a path towards being valued and having value for a community. And it was so uh, intoxicating, really, this idea that I could, I could show up and people would be glad that I was there and wanting to hear from me. And it, what, I, what I did, and I think in hindsight, like, uh, God uses everything, right? But I had mixed motives. I'll just be honest, I had mixed motives in my pursuit of studying the Bible, I, I recognized, and I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this at the time, but I can look back now at 20-year-old me knowing that the girl who led my Bible study was someone that I was really into. And so my pursuit, my, my personal devotional time of reading the Bible was, yes, I wanted to know more about who God was, but I also liked showing up at the Bible study that she ran, and when she asked questions, I had things to say, thoughtful things to say. I mean, God used that as shaped. I mean, I, I went to seminary <laughs> because, uh, yes, I loved God. I wanted to know more about Scripture. But I also knew that the more I learned about who God was and the more I shared that with others, the more I would be, frankly, in places of honor. I would be able to be, when, so, when I showed up to a place or a church, they'd say, oh, Scott has something to share. I literally became a paid professional person who comes and sits in places of honor. And yes, I, yeah, I, I, again, just to be honest, mixed motives. I love the Lord. I love scripture. I love sharing. I'm gifted. I think I have something to share with teaching. But there's also something in there deep within that's I want to be honored. I want to be impressive. I want you to think, wow, he's got something to say. Wow, I love it when people say, wow, I, you know so much about the Bible. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, well, I, I studied a lot. I studied for you, for the people, you know. Uh, I want you to know my knowledge. I mean, but it's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? And at this point in my life, I understand that. And I know that the Lord understands it. He understood it the whole time. He used it. He leveraged it. He allowed me to pursue understanding the Bible and being thoughtful and pensive and really uh, 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 sarcastic, but in a, in a, in a, in a cheeky way uh, up front that would get me some admiration, that would get me some accolades. He knew that it would also bless others. I, I mean, it, he just knows it all. He's not like I am as a dad with my kids. I can see a lot, and it's okay developmentally. They're going to grow out of this. I think we all, deep down, want to sit at the cool kids' table. I think we all want to be honored. I think we all, when we show up somewhere, want someone to, across the room to say, you're here. I, I was waiting for you. I, I was hoping you'd arrive. Actually, I didn't just hope. I actually prepared something for you. We want that. I think we're hardwired for that. But yet when we pursue it in ways that are, are like uh, unilaterally, I want to get more honor, Jesus teaches us and flips that on its head and says, if you pursue being honored, you're going to get dishonored. Or maybe you'll get it, but it's going to be a really faint version of it. Right before I turned 40, there was a guy that I know that also turned 40, and uh, he had this big, huge birthday party that he threw for himself for his 40th birthday party. No big deal. I don't, it's fine. I wasn't invited. Okay. But I saw videos, videos after video of it, and, and the, the, the Facebook post, the Instagram post of, uh, I invited people to my 40th birthday party, and I had them all get, stand up and give speeches about me. 
And I remember just thinking, like, is that, is that what I'm supposed to do? Is that what we do? Is, did I miss out? Because when I turned 40, I just wanted to hang out with my family and have pizza. <laughs> I wanted to be alone. <laughs> I didn't want people to come and talk about me. And I just remember thinking, I, 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 uh, so he got that. I'm sure that felt good on some level, but pursuing being honored, pursuing being esteemed, pursuing being impressive has a, sh- a really short shelf life. I've tried it. I've been impressive. I've got the accolades in the past. I've also felt unknown. I've also felt like you don't see me. You just see this version of me that I project, and I'm really good at it. I'm really good at triangulating how, what people want from me and, and, and how to present myself so that I can get what I need. I'm really good at reading a room and reading a kind of a culture and kind of blending in, and, and pretty soon, I think that's what I did in Christian community. I just kind of read, and I was so quiet and observant for so many years. I can kind of, okay, if I study the Bible, I, I can I present that in a certain way, and if I pray a certain way, and if I speak a certain way, I'll get what I am looking for. But deep down, do you know me? Would you, if you knew me, still accept me? The, the kind of cheap version of being honored is fitting in and, and being impressive, uh, but it's a real shallow version. It's superficial. I think what we want is not to be accepted. I think what we want is to belong. I think what we want is uh, some of us have that experience with great friends or close family where they know the flaws and they like you anyways. I mean, that's how we are as parents. That's how we are as uh, puppy owners. I see your flaws, and yet we choose you anyways. We know we're going to have sleepless nights for the next six weeks. We know that. The first night we got our last puppy, she threw up all night, all night. And at some point, my wife's like, do we call the, the vet, um, the animal hospital? I'm like, I don't know. And I literally thought, if this dog's going to die, now would be the perfect time. <laughs> Before we got attached. Day one. Like, if this is going to go down, uh, now's the time. But we, we know that we're getting into that, and we love anyways. I think that's what we want. Not to be just accepted when we're looking good and acting appropriate and being impressive. I think what we want is that true belonging. Then Jesus said after that parable, uh, he said to his host, he said, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends. Do not invite your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. And here's where it gets funky. He says, if you do, if you invite those people when you have an event and a party, if you invite those people, they might invite you back and then you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, invite the crippled, the lame, the blind, and that's how you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the, righteous, at the resurrection of the righteousness. What does that mean? What does that mean? I think the key towards the, the, the kind of belonging that we want is to be the kind of person that accepts other people for who they truly are. I mean, it's one thing, if you've got the queen coming over, my, my wife grew up with, a, uh, with her mom always saying, how would you set the table if the queen was coming over? And my wife would always say, the queen's not coming over. It's grandma. I think we know how to do that. I think we know how to receive people that are impressive. But how do we receive the kind of people that aren't? The kind of people that are overlooked. The kind of people that are neither seen nor heard. I can't say that, can I? <laughs> how do we treat the kinds of people that, that uh, have no social standing? They're not charismatic. They're not funny. They're not wealthy. They don't say interesting things. They're not well-read. They don't even see the same things politically as you do. They're not even Christians. They don't go to church. 
They don't, uh, they don't keep their lawn the way you think your lawn should be kept. How do we receive those people? I wonder if the way that we can actually fulfill the deep desires that we have is not waiting for someone to do that for us, but by being the kinds of people who do that for others. Here's my challenge for myself this week and maybe for you. Who is in your world, your orbit, your circle? And that circle might be the six houses on your street. That circle might be the, 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 the seven coworkers you see at meetings. It might be your extended family. Who are those people that, if you thought about them, if you had to rank them in terms of how much you like them, how much you uh, appreciate who they are, how much you value them, and you got down to the bottom the people that you didn't really like, the people that kind of irritated you, the people that are maybe, I don't know, whatever your version of, they're small-minded, they're annoying, they always talk about themselves, like they're not really put together. Whoever those people are, what would it look like for you just to uh, spend a little time, spend an hour thinking about them, uh, pursuing them, inviting them? I think for me, the invitation is not the, the jump to let's host a party for them. I think the inviting them is to Invite them into your life for 20 minutes at the mailbox. Just to spend a little, I, I, know, I know what they've, they've always been annoying. I know that their lawn looks horrible. I know that they just get irritating on meetings. They ask question after question after question. But what would it look like this week just to turn to them and receive them with open arms? I don't know. Here's a, here's a few little sentence starters. Uh, you might even be thoughtful before you see them and say, hey, what I, what I really like about you is... What I appreciate about you is, when I think about you, I just love how, I mean, actually to really think thoughtfully, the kinds of things that we say about people after they're gone. Have you ever been to a funeral before when you're like, ah, I don't know, <laughs> but then you, you know, you're going to have to say something. Man, well, uh, yeah, well, uh, and you really, you really have to think deeply, but you get there. We can all get there, even with the worst, we can get there. I love how Generous they were. And you, you could find something. I, when I think about you, you're always, you always ask thoughtful questions. And, and then you withhold the, and you ask 500 more that are not helpful questions. But, but really, deep down, yeah, you actually are, you're a really inquisitive, curious person. I, I, I appreciate that about you. What would that, that kind of gift be like in someone's direction? What's unique about you is, when I think about you is, these little kind of sentence stars. I remember in elementary school, I found this. My mom has thrown away everything from my childhood except for one box. I don't know why, because it's random stuff. It's not like trophies or anything. It's just random stuff. And I found uh, in, from first grade, uh, I guess that uh, once a week, the teacher would uh, put out this little uh, binder, and it was uh, what I like about, and then they fill in the blank. And every kid got one of those at the end of the year. And I found this recently in my mom's house in her closet, and it was what I like about Scott. First grade. And it was, I mean, mostly like, uh, he's nice, uh, uh, the way he plays handball at recess. But I, what, a, what, a, what a cool thing. What a small, simple sentence starter, a little simple exercise that I've kept now for 37 years. I still have it, and it made me smile, warmed my heart. What would it look like for you to do that? Not to the person that's going to increase your social standing or make you feel, you know those people that when they laugh at your jokes, you feel extra uh, when, when you text them and they text you right back because they're excited to hear from you, you're like, wow, that f not those people. The people that if you scroll down all your text messages from two years ago and you realize, oh, I didn't even write back when they asked me to have lunch, that person, 
Go to that person and spend some generous energy honoring them, putting them up, building them up, exalting them, finding the ways in which they resemble the image of God. Everyone's got it. Even the worst person you could think of, everybody's got it. So Lord, I, I pray that you would, in, in the depths of who we are, the, the kind of uh, deep desire that we have to be appreciated, liked, seen, respected, esteemed, honored. God, I pray that we would take that same deep desire and turn that, transform that, translate that into being the kind of person who generously honors others. And as we do that, God, uh, uh, number one, use us to honor somebody, to exalt them, to help them feel like they're seen and heard and cared for and valued. But also, uh, uh, as we do that, help us to be in the flow of your spirit, which is always pouring out love. And and, uh, deeply, would you help us to hear your whisper of our value to you, of how we are not just loved by you, but liked by you. That you don't just love us, Lord. You like who we are. Thank you for that truth. We pray this in your name. Amen. Oh
Great to be with you all. Now, may God the Father bless you with wisdom. May God the Son teach you, remind you of how much he loves you and likes you. And may God the Spirit help you be more loving, more patient, and more kind. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>